Welcome to Grace on the Go. This podcast is designed so that you can take grace with you anywhere you go. This episode is a sermon from Sunday, May 21st, 2023, called The Ascension of Jesus, given by Pastor Chris Simmons. The scripture passage highlighted for today's sermon comes from the book of Matthew, chapter 16, verse 24. If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. God's grace, mercy, and peace are yours through his Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. As you may notice, kind of running up here solo, Pastor Dinger's at uh, Faith Lutheran Church. He's preaching over there. If he kind of comes running in during uh, message time or anything like that, he just wants to be with you guys because he loves you, and he's coming back. If he doesn't make it back, it's probably me, not you guys. No, but as he comes back, he would love to be with you, and if he comes up, great. If not, we'll kind of leave the rest of the services planned. Um, but as we get started, you can kind of see in your bulletin the outline. It's around that soliloquy from Hamlet, right? To be or not to be. And we actually take that and break it down as we look at the text through ascension of two bees and two not to bees, right? Jesus tells us two things that we should be and two things we should not be. And the way it kind of goes together is the end of Luke the Gospel of Luke and the beginning of Acts are both written by the same guy, who is Luke. And I always say it's kind of like the Venn diagram, if you remember what those look like. This is kind of converging all together, so you kind of get details in both of those readings that work together. So we'll kind of travel through that story and see what Jesus says and kind of how that all intersects. But I'm going to start with a joke for you, and it's, it's four quotes, right? We have, to be or not to be, that's from William Shakespeare. To be is to do, that's from Socrates. To do is to be. That's from Jean-Paul Sartre. Doobie, 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 doo is from Frank Sinatra. <laughs> maybe, maybe with a little snap in there. Uh, but when you get all those quotes and you put them together, it's amazing how much doing and being go together, right? What you be is what you do, and what you do is what you be. Um, doobie, doobie. Um, but as you look at that, I had a pastor, it was many years ago when I still lived in Illinois, so that's like 10-ish years ago, preached a sermon on being and doing and how well they intersect together and how we actually get this mission so well in, in our Ascension text today. So as we look at those being and doing and doing and being, uh, let's take a look at those not-to-be's and to be. Starting with that very first one, right? That big question, to be or not to be. And the first one is not to be clingy. Ooh, right? Just saying that makes me like not want to be clingy. But to not be clingy, we read here as Jesus, we just heard in that John 20 text, do not touch or do not cling to me for I have not yet ascended to the Father. And that main point there is do not cling to an unascended Jesus. Have you ever had this prayer? Maybe sometime in the past, I don't know, it's 2023, so the past three years. I wish things would just go back to normal. Right? I wish things would just go back to normal. I wish things would just go back to the way they were before. Or I wish we could just go back to before. We say this in all different like, circumstances and ways. Sometimes it's an event, like a worldwide event, maybe like we experienced a few years ago. Sometimes it's in re- within relationship with each other. If I've done something to wrong somebody or they've done something to wrong me and we've broken that relationship, I wish, I wish we could just go back to the way things were before. I did that thing, or before, before you did that thing. The other one would be, um, sometimes nostalgia does that to us, right? I wish I could just go back to the way things used to be, right? I wish I could go back to the joys of yesterday. Oh, man, back in the day when I was a kid, things were so great. I got to tell you this, when I was um, a few years, not a few years ago, a few weeks ago, um, Someone said, you got to take your kids to Tasty Treat, right? It was sad that Tasty Treat closed. I know, it was sad. Um, but I started taking my kids to Tasty Treat, and we got um, soft serve ice cream, and it was really good. But, like, someone told me, it's like, oh, no, Pastor Chris, you got to try the Space Burger. 
I'll tell you what, those probably tasted a lot better when you were a kid. Because <laughs> I'm like, I don't know how you digest this thing. <laughs> so my prayer was a little different. Lord, if you could get me through this space burger. No. Uh, that, that aside, I, I tell you that because sometimes we look back, if it's not just a broken relationship, we look back to the days of yesterday, the joys of yesterday. Oh, if I could just go back to before, back to those golden years, back to when things were good, that would be nice. Because oftentimes we get hung up on, on the sorrows and the joys. Those can be the things that hold us back. Right? I cling to those. I cling to the hurts. I wish I could go back to before, but I can't because I did this one thing. Or I cling to the joys. Man, when I was a kid, this life in the world was so much better, wasn't it, 10 years ago, 20 years ago, 5 years ago, 5 minutes ago even. Right? I cling to before. I wish I could go back to before. I was at assisted living this past Wednesday. My son turned four years old. Thank you. It was a monumental achievement. Not for him, for us. We made it. Uh, for, you know, every, every year, I'm like, we, we kept him alive. You know, it's so good. Uh, the girl is fine. The boy, that's, that's the one that we celebrate. Uh, but as, as we continue with this, he turned four. I'm at assisted living on Wednesday. And that same day he turned four, I'm sitting with a lady who just turned 93. And I'm like, wow. And I'm 36 going on 37. As we're going through Bible study together, we kind of end up talking about this idea of past joys and, and, and sorrows in our lives and how we get hung up on them. And as I look at my son turn four, he's not hung up on very much. And as I, and as I, ma- I made this comment, which seemed very silly after I said it, I'm like, I've noticed how I've gotten on in years and there are more things that I get hung up on things that I've done wrong, and even the, the, the joys that I've had of yesterday that I can't seem to go back to. And she took her glasses down and looked at me like this. She's like, you think you've got things that you're hung up on. And I'm like, you're right. And she's like, I've got plenty of that that I look back to and joys that I can't experience again. And I'm like, oh, that, hurt, that hit me right here. The, the things of yesterday that I can't go back to before. If I can't go back to before, What can I go back to? Because here's the thing about that prayer. I'm telling you, in the history of all humanity, I don't think that prayer has ever been answered. Because we never go back to before, do we? Right? If that relationship was broken, it's not about trying to go back to before, right? What do we try and do? We try and find a way forward. We try and move forward together. The joys of yesterday, yeah, maybe I, I experienced a great joy then, but I try and find a way, okay, if I experience it then, how can I find something new now? that will bring me a similar joy? Or how can I share that joy of yesterday with others? Because maybe my kids love the soft, the soft serve ice cream at Tasty Treat. I was there and I grinned and bear it, but man, did they experience great joy. I'm like, all right, how am I not hung up on things and how do I not cling to the past? And that's what happens when Jesus is here in this text. As he comes before Mary, right? And he sees Mary and Mary comes to him. She's excited, right? As she's just had the sorrow at the tomb. Just like my, my, my Lord's body is gone. Um, she, she was there at the crucifixion. She's got all this sorrow that she's held up on. And then she sees Jesus, right? Resurrected. Rabboni, which means teacher. And, and you, you hear, he says, do not cling to me. You get this image of her either falling at his feet and wanting to wrap her arms around him or coming up from him for a big hug. And his reply is, Mary, do not cling to me for I have not yet ascended. And what he's saying there in that moment is this. We're not going back to before. 
Luther writes on this. It's pretty insightful. What happens is when Mary sees a resurrected Jesus, she goes in her mind to all those other resurrections that she's witnessed or heard of or seen. Um, She goes to like Lazarus, right? As he's resurrected from the tomb, comes out in grave clothes, you know, Lazarus come out. And she thinks of Mary and Martha. When, when Jesus resurrects Lazarus, oh, he can, they can go back to before now. Lazarus can go and take care of his sisters. They can be a family again. He can walk around. He can go back to his mortal life of eating and drinking and living. It's so he could go back, back to before, right? The widow of Nain and, and her son, right? Her son was there to take care of her, uh, to give her a life, a roof over her head. She had no rights. When he died, Jesus came and resurrected him. She thinks that's so they could go back to before, Right? So he could care for her and they could have a life. He could walk around, eat and drink and live. Or Jairus and his daughter. When his daughter dies and Jesus comes and and brings her back to life. Reinstates her as a daughter. They could be a family again. She can walk. She can eat. She can drink. He must have done that so they could go back to before, right? They could go back to being a family. Jesus, you came back to life, resurrected, so we could go back to before, when we walked around, when we traveled, when you, when you taught us, and, and, and we had such great times, we could go back to before now, can't we? And Jesus says, do not cling to before. I have not come to bring more before. I have come to bring you a new present, and I have come to bring you new life. I have come to bring you something so much more than before. A new present a new future, and a new life. As I mentioned before, when those relationships are broken, when those joys are in the past that we cling to, it's not about clinging to the past. It's not about clinging to what's broken. It's about what? Moving forward. Jesus says, do not to be or not to be, right? Not to be clingy and clinging to the past and the sorrows, right? Because we get to celebrate again. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Alleluia. Amen. And the story doesn't end there. And that brings us to the second point, right? Not to be clingy and holding on to the past, but to find a way forward. And point number two, to be living in the full story, the fullness of Christ, right? Here's what he writes, and again, this is in Luke 24. Jesus says, everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled, that Christ should suffer on the third day and rise from the dead, and I am sending the promise of my Father upon you. He gives them a sense of the fullness of the story, which is his life, resurrection, purpose, and power. To give you all that in just kind of a, in a, in a different version, everyone, you watch movies here, right? Everyone here has seen a movie. We have that in common. Good. All right, DVDs, VHS, Betamax tapes, right? All those things. Good. We have seen a movie before. I don't know if you've ever seen The Sixth Sense. It came out in 1999. Some of you didn't exist in 1999. That's fine. But um, in 1999, the movie The Sixth Sense, right? If you watch two-thirds of that movie, I see dead people, right? If you watch two-thirds of that movie and you never see the end, is it not a completely different movie than if you watch the movie in its entirety, right? It's the idea of if you never watch every movie to its entirety, you don't get a sense of what the whole story is. Imagine if every movie you watched, you only saw two-thirds of it, or you never read a book all the way to its completion, right? 300 pages, I'm getting to 230, and I throw the book away every time. Maybe you have a good story there, but you don't have the fullness of the entire story. Maybe The Sixth Sense isn't your thing, but what is it, if you like Marvel movies, what is it to watch um, Infinity War and never see Endgame? 
Sure, maybe that's a good movie, but you're not living in the fullness of the story. Star Wars, right? You have A New Hope, and you have The Empire Strikes Back, but if you never make it to Return of the Jedi, you're not living in the fullness of the story, right? Lord of the Rings, you get the fellowship. The Two Towers is my favorite. If you never make it to Return of the King, you're not living in the fullness of the story. You get the point by now, right? Right? You saw all the signs out there. Congrats, graduates, right? There's a high school graduation today. I got to tell you, right? I mentioned 36 going on 37. There are still people that I know that are 36, 37, and they're still living in high school. You know what I mean? Right? Okay, you know those people? Let me tell you, high school graduates in the room, I saw one. There you are, right? I saw one over there, but as you kind of go to it, I'm telling you, there's more to life after high school. Just saying. There is more to life. There's a lot more to the story than just living after high school. There's a lot more to life after high school. Keep that in mind. Live in the fullness of the story because if we're Christians and we just live as Christians between Christmas and Easter, we're not living in the fullness of the story. Between Christmas and Easter, it's good, isn't it? Right? We get Christmas. We get all the good carols, you know, all the good songs. Frosty the Snowman. That's not one of them. Is that one of them? No. Um, but all, all the, the really great, the living nativity, all that good stuff. We get that really great Christmas story all the way to Jesus taking our sins upon himself, all this great te- teaching. We get to the Passion Week, stuff like the Living Last Supper. It's powerful. Good Friday, Tenebrae service where Jesus takes all our sins upon himself, dies with them on the cross, so we too die with him, the full punishment of our sins upon him, so we too are resurrected with him into new life. And we all say that same thing all the time. Today's the last week of what we call Easter Tide by the way, when we say Christ is risen, he is risen indeed, alleluia, amen. But there's more to the story. It doesn't just end there. And that's the point Jesus is getting across. I have so much more in store for you than that, right? When we talk about the ascension, when he says, I'm going ahead of you to prepare a place for you, does that sound like a good thing? Yeah, it's not the Holiday Inn, it's heaven, all right? It's a really good place to be. I'm going ahead to prepare a place for you. I'm going ahead of you to intercede with you on your behalf with my Father, right? The wrath that should be yours, I have taken upon myself. I'm going ahead of you to pray for you. I'm ruling at the right hand of my Father. And more than that, you heard in our Ephesians reading, I'm not just going to be in one place appearing to one person at one time anymore. I'm going ahead of you to be seated at the right hand of the Father so I can be in all things everywhere. Is it good to have Jesus in all things everywhere? Yes, good, good. Give me a mm-hmm, mm-hmm, exactly. It's good to have Jesus in all things everywhere at all times. We love to have that, and that's what the ascension brings to us. And it's more than that even. He says, I'm going ahead so my Father will send to you the Holy Spirit, and he will give you power and purpose. Not like Superman power, right? But I will give you power and purpose. And you hear that in Acts 1, verse 8. That'll be our fourth point, but I'm going to give you that verse anyway just to chew on it. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Power from the Holy Spirit, purpose in being the witnesses of Jesus. And I tell you that because we are in a world that is power hungry. You would say that very easily. But we're in a world that's very hungry for purpose all the time, right? Pastor Chris, Pastor Dinger, I come to you today and I'm like, I'm saved, it's great, but now what do I do? Where is my purpose? I'm not sure what I do next as a Christian. Well, you're a witness of Jesus. Okay, that's something. Now, what do I do with that? Well, we'll come to my sermon. I'll tell you later. Um, But besides that, you're given power and purpose as the world is so hungry for purpose and goes everywhere else it can to find it only to end up hungry again. 
And Jesus says, I will not leave you hanging. I have so much more for you than you could ever imagine. Again, it's all good. The same Jesus who has been here ascends into heaven and we get to live in the fullness of his story. And that brings us to point three, right? To be and not to be. And the third one's not to be complacent, right? That was kind of part of our um, confessional prayer today. We hear this. Lord, at this time, will you restore the kingdom of Israel? And he said to them, it is not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority. So this section, I, I find it fascinating because it, I find it so relatable because at this point, Jesus has been teaching for 40 days. He's been making appearances. We read about that in 1 Corinthians. Paul says there are 500 eyewitnesses that you could talk to that Jesus has appeared to that are witnesses to the resurrection. Awesome. And he's, he's traveling with his apostles and disciples, and he's like, I'm going to teach you a few more things. Uh, I'm going to teach you more about the kingdom of God. Finally, and I got to say it, like Jesus is God, but like three years of nonstop ministry, like I'm tired on Sunday. I need a nap when I'm done with this. I need a, like it just, even if it's 40 minutes, it's good. Or by six o'clock, I'm grumpy. It's grumpy Chris. Jesus is not grumpy, but I bet he wants to sit down. And he's like, I'm going to go sit down at the right hand of the Father. It's time for me to ascend. And as he's about to do it, right, after all this time teaching, all this extra education, one disciple comes to him and he says, Lord, at this time, will you restore the kingdom of Israel? And I don't know if this has ever been you. I did this at 8.30. It's the, it's the, the Pastor Dinger head rub, right? This thing right here. Because at this point, <laughs> one more. There we are. It's recorded for all to see. Um, because in that moment, Jesus goes, what have I been doing? Maybe I should just stay here <laughs> and take care of it myself. And I say this because I don't know if you've ever been an employer, if you've been someone that's a student working in a group project, or uh, someone who's training somebody to do another job, whether you've done a lot of sessions with them, put in a lot of hours, maybe it's 40 hours worth of training, maybe you're on a staff and you put all this training into somebody, you've taught them everything, and dare I say it's kind of like you're handing them the keys to the car. All right, you're going to go ahead and run your own shift, you're going to go ahead and do your part of the project, you're going to go ahead and do your part, and I'm going to back away. And they ask what I would call a dumb question, and you go, this is going to just crash and burn. I guess I have to take care of it myself. So why would Jesus ascend anyway? And I'll tell you, so the major, have you ever had this? Like the major difference between training on the job and actually working in the job? Or if you've done um, like a, a degree program, really the difference between studying and application, Right? studying and then finally applying what you're learning. Believe it or not, when we worked in the dance studio, when you're a brand new dance teacher, uh, the way you learn your first couple of dance steps and how to teach is from a manual, like a book, not a video, not from somebody else, a manual. And you open up this manual and it has rows and columns of like which foot you use, which part of the foot you use, like your toe, your ball, your heel, the amount of rotation, what your body's doing, um, what your dance position's going to be, how you're moving, a little description of it, and you memorize this page of what you're supposed to be doing. Do you think you do it very effectively just after memorizing the page? No. Okay, good. Okay, good. We're on the same page, right? But that's the idea. Just memorizing a page of information did not make me a good dancer, right? That's not how it works. But when you finally get the information from that page and then you get up and you start to do it, you go, oh, that's what that means. That's what those words mean. You know, now that I'm doing it, I see what it was talking about. I'm finally starting to get it, 
right? So you follow me there. And this kind of applies to so many different areas. Uh, you look at uh, if you want to become a good golfer, right? If you, all you do is practice and you never play. Um, I, I study all the YouTube videos. I read all the manuals. I read all these books and I write all these notes on how to perfect my golf swing. If I never apply it, will my golf swing be any better? No, it won't. And in my case, even when I apply it, it doesn't get any better. But in that, still, regardless, right, if I go, oh, now I get what he means by turning the, oh, now I get what he's talking about being on the same plane. You start to apply it, you all of a sudden start to understand it, right? My mom's a nurse. She's awesome. And uh, if you try and put an IV in somebody, let's say you, you're there and you're taking a lecture and you're writing all the notes down, and it's like, okay, I got all the notes. I've seen somebody do it. Do, does, does Pastor Chris know how to put an IV in somebody well? No, I do not. Don't let me if I, if I try. Uh, why? Because I'll just be kind of fishing around. But I will say after a time of studying, right, especially nurses in a program, they study, then when they begin to apply, they go, oh, that's what that lecture means. Now I'm starting to get what that person meant by when they say this thing. You kind of get the idea. All of a sudden, you get this teaching from Jesus. The apostles, the disciples, they've been traveling with them for three years, getting all this teaching. Sure, they've done a little bit of doing, they're going to do a lot of bit of doing next week when Pastor Dinger, who just showed up, right, who just showed up right over there, is going to be preaching on Pentecost next week. When they start doing a lot of doing, when they start finally applying a lot of this teaching that Jesus has been giving them. Because they're going to go, oh, that's what Jesus meant when he said this. Oh, when Jesus said this. That's how it means, oh, that gift of salvation and redemption. I'm really now starting to maybe, will I ever get a perfect grasp of it? No, he's God. He's, he's, he's immense and huge. And I'll never understand God in all his fullness. But man, I'm starting to get a little better hint when I start to apply a lot of this studying and a lot of this teaching that Jesus has said. And that's why I said, that's why he still ascends. Of course, he's still amongst us everywhere in all things, as we said. But still, he can ascend because he's saying, they'll start applying being my hands and feet, being the hands and feet of Christ, doing my work, right? We read in Ephesians, it's through the church, the manifold wisdom of God is made known. They'll start doing, oh, that's what Jesus meant. That's why he did that. Oh, now I'm beginning to understand. And I mentioned we have that danger, right, not to be complacent. And that danger is to study, to come and hear good music, to come and hear a sermon. It's like, wow, that was neat. Off I go, on to the next thing. And to never have that moment of, how does that apply? Maybe I should take some of these teachings of Jesus and start to apply them and go, oh, that's what Jesus means. And it brings us to our final point. You'll be surprised when you kind of start to apply those right? That last to be or not to be is to be joyful in your calling. Brings us back to Acts 1 chapter 8, but we get a little touch of Luke 24 in there as well. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And then you get again that Venn diagram section from Luke 24 right after he ascends into heaven, and the apostles and the disciples that were there that watched it happen, and they worshiped him, and return to Jerusalem with great joy. So what does it finally mean to be a witness, right? What does it mean to witness? Oftentimes you hear that word, right? And, and you could come up and give me a great lecture on this, I know. So just bear with me, uh, Cliff, over there as I kind of go through this. To be a witness for something is kind of for me, most basically, is I saw something happen, 
right? My four-year-old son had a birthday party yesterday. He took a water balloon and he threw it at another kid's face and he cried, right? I was a witness to this happening, right? I saw it happen. I did nothing to stop it. I just watched it happen. <laughs> and I'm like, hmm, all right. And that's, that's that. So, but I watched it happen. That was very passive. Now, if I was pulled into a courtroom and I'm called to testify as a witness, and yes, Your Honor, I saw my son throw a water balloon at that kid's face. This is the truth, so help me God, Your Honor. That's all the witnessing I have to do for you today. Right? That would be the truth. I bear witness to the truth, right? That would be to testify. That, that, I sounded really passionate with that. That's still pretty passive. I'm just telling you what I saw. Here's what's really unique. Pastor Dering and I, we do a lot of work in kind of the original text, right? That biblical Greek, this word witness, it's a powerful word because it also, like in the Greek, the word is martis. Or if you hear that word, you might say, it sounds a lot like the word martyr, which it does because it is. Right? That word martyr, which means to kind of give your life for the sake of your faith in a very basic circumstance. And you see this word used as both ways. Throughout many texts, you see it as someone who's watching something and talks about the truth, like we do here. But you see it also just a couple chapters later when it's talking about Stephen, the one who dies as he's proclaiming his faith, as he's stoned to death, and he's called a martyr, a martis. Right? And you see it later in Revelation, right? The great cloud of witnesses, those who have died for the sake of their faith and have gone before us. Right? So we see this word time and time again. So you read this word and you take it and combine the definitions, you'll get this. One who sees the truth and testifies to it through the strength and genuineness of their faith in Christ and undergoes violent death. Doesn't sound nearly as passive now as it did before, does it? What does it mean to be a witness. We have this next verse from Jesus as he says in Matthew 16, verse 24. If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. What does it mean to be a witness? Luther writes on this a little bit too as well. Very profound one-sentence statement is this. Bearing witness is nothing but God's word spoken by men. And it calls for faith. Sounds easy, doesn't it? Being a witness is nothing but God's word spoken by us to one another, and it calls for faith. Speaking God's word, and it calls for faith. What sort of words from God? It could be all words from God. If we kind of go into the theme of this ascension, Luke 24, Jesus says this. That repentance and forgiveness of sin should be proclaimed in his name to all nations. Now, I don't know about you. I'm, we talked about this in Bible class a bit just not too long ago. I need to hear that message every day, that repentance means to turn away from the things that I've done. That I could turn away from the things that I cling to. I could turn away from the sorrows of the past, the things that I hold on to. That I can turn away from them. And what I turn away from, I turn towards is forgiveness. What I turn away from, what I see is the glory of God and his shining face. It's a message I need to hear every day, and I, I read about Jesus all the time. I'm preaching in front of you. It's because I've been reading the word all week. There's a world out there that hurts. And it's a world that needs to know that they can turn away from the things that are just hurting them time and time again and turn towards forgiveness and repentance and a love that was won for them through God's one and only Son given to us so we'd be forgiven all our sins and live with him for eternal life 
and that it's that same God that would left and ascended into heaven to give us new life and new purpose is going to come again so we could be with him for all eternity. That sounds like a pretty good message, don't you think? Something maybe you need to hear once in a while, daily, every minute. And if you're here worshiping with me, that's great. That's awesome. You hear about it all the time. But man, does hurt drag you down. Man, does, I'm going to say kind of oddly, hurt hurts. <laughs> but it's painful. And we cling to it when we feel like we have nothing else to cling to. Be my witnesses. Right? And he's saying that that's a time where we, we have to die to ourselves, deny ourselves. Those times when I feel like, man, I don't want to say anything because I, I, I would rather just be liked all the time. I'd rather live in the comfort of silence. I'd rather not say something, but there's a world out there clinging to something that hurts so much. And there are times where even as a Christian, and I know Jesus, I'm clinging to things that hurt so much. And Jesus says, stop being clingy and turn to me. Because not only can you cling to me, I cling to you. I've given myself for your sake and you get to be with me. Literally in paradise, as I reign at the right hand of God. That's why ascension is so important, right? The sending of that Holy Spirit. Because remember, we're not only speaking God's word, it's by faith, a power given to us from the Holy Spirit. As God sends forth the Holy Spirit to us, we'll hear about that again next week. We get to live in the celebration of our ascended Lord. So again, let us be his witnesses and let us live in that glory and let him, to him be that glory now and forever. And all God's people said, amen. If you have any questions or comments, email them to podcast at gracepocatello.org. And make sure to subscribe to our channel to stay up to date on sermons and classes at Grace Lutheran Church in Pocatello, Idaho. This podcast is designed so that you can take grace with you anywhere you go.